Who's the creature behind the king? It's been sailing since the start. Who knows every single little thing? It's been sailing since the start. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> you live in his shadow. He's the oldest homunculus, and a Friday is. A Friday is. Friday, 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 Friday. You're a puppet under his wing, and you better play your part. Thanks to Selim, little Selim. It's been Selim since the start. And I killed Hughes, too. <laughs> well, not really, I just got caught up in the song. La dee da da. It's another episode of Full Metal Analysts. Welcome to our show where free writers analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Michelle. I'm Arthur. And I'm Mike. And our guest today is an illustrator and trivia writer, but you probably might know her best from being the current champion of recurring appearances in this very podcast. That's right, please welcome back to the show, the one, the only, Camilla Franklin! Hello, it's me! I've been a homunculus the whole time! Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! And you were so unthreatening! You had a whole episode about how unthreatening you were. Yeah, my previous appearances were all designed to set you at ease. Yeah, like, we were worried about you. I, I know this might not be the best time to say this, but I just need to say it because it's really stressing me out. I just wanted to be known on the record that last night at about 4 a.m., I listened to our latest released episode, which is episode 32. Yes. They have like tea with this kid. I listened to it late at night before going to bed and I messaged these two and I'm like, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. It's so clear. Fuhrer Bradley's son, this kid, Salim, he's pride. It's not even really being hidden from us. Like who else could it possibly be? It's the only interesting thing. Like it's the only thing left. It's such a great reveal. Like, of course, that's what's going to happen. And I told him this. And Michelle, in his typical way, was just like, how stoned were you? You're so dumb. You don't know what's up. You're a himbo. Whatever. What did you want me to say? Wow, Mike, you're right. How exciting. You know, just something. You know, just give me, I don't know. No, here's what you said. So this is from 1 a.m. on a Wednesday. Michael Carr sent, I listened to last week's episode about the few her son tea party thing. And it occurs to me that I think I'm missing something obvious. Missing something <laughs> obvious. Bradley's son is pride. It makes sense. And it matches the voice we heard before. And it's like the perfect place to hide him. Also narratively, there's really no other good option unless it's just a brand new character, which I just doubt. And Arthur cleverly replied a milk emoji. <laughs> 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 yeah, I couldn't really get much from that. Yeah, <laughs> really? Well, but I knew I was right. <laughs> and I was right. I also think it's interesting how the only two times Mike got it right were times where we were not recording him. Because <laughs> after we recorded mm-hmm. episode 21, we were talking amongst each other. And Mike literally said, what if it's Bradley's son? Followed up by, no, it can't be. So we weren't recording. <laughs> but I did send message to Mike to arthur that day and i was like holy shit mike got so close (laughs) there were some really close calls and you guessed it right under the wire i'm i'm so mad (laughs) i'm so mad yeah this is a big victory for mikey at the bat hours before you watch the next episode but mike here's the thing 
you've actually already been told before that Celine was Pride. You just didn't notice. And to point that out, we have a very special guest. Please welcome the editing robot who edits our podcast. No, I hate this guy. He's always telling me what I said. Hello, I am the editing robot. Today, I will share with you a moment from episode 32. A moment in which Michelle accidentally spoiled the plot for you. You didn't (laughs) notice, Mike, but I did. Here it is. Oh, 10 minutes of just... Let's just make the scene of where the, the brothers talk to Pride and uh, uh, <laughs> uh, the boys talk to uh, Bradley and they Bradley talk and to and his, wife, yeah. his son. <laughs> well, I think, yeah. yeah I, no no I, way. Why didn't you notice it, Mike? Why? Pay attention. Anyway, enjoy the rest of the episode. Oh, what a fool. What a fool. That was close. How close you flew to the sun. Your wax wings were melting. But yes, this week we're talking about the episode, The First Homunculus. It was directed by Shigeru Ueda, who directed this episode and only another one after this. So this is one of two episodes he directed for the show. He worked as a director on the original Fullmetal Alchemist show, but he has also worked as a director and storyboarder on animes like Shaman King, Yu Yu Hakusho, Pokemon, and my personal favorite, this is an actual show. Do you love your mom and her two-hit multi-target attacks? (laughs) I do not know what the show is about. I think that's like an idiomatic thing lost in the translation. It was written by Michihiro Tsushihia, who wrote the previous episode, as we mentioned. So we're not going to go into details on that one. But yes, this is it. This is the episode where it finally happened. Uh, Wait, Michelle, is it? uh, Are we waiting? On what? For the thing. What thing? You know, the thing. What thing? The, the the thing the special thing oh right 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 okay i think we're if you say it then it's out then it's out there you know we're ready for that but before we talk about that let's do our recap this is the moment of the podcast where one of us would do a 21 second improvised recap of what happened in this week's episode and that person will be chosen by the roll of a dice if it lands on one it's me if it lands on two it's arthur if it lands on three it's mike if it lands on four it's our guest camilla oh yeah so let's roll the dice Four. Oh, Camilla. wow. Nice. This is on the hot seat already. I feel like you did this last time. Three, two, one, go. Uh, Winry and the Elrics are up north. Winry doesn't know, but she's being held hostage. Ed recites the periodic table. Kimberly wants Ed to do a genocide. He pretends to go along with it so he can find Scar. Ed tells Winry about the situation, which is character growth, baby. She tags along. Uh, up at Briggs, they're going into Sloth's tunnel to look for the missing team, figure out the weird shadow eye guy. Riza figures out it's Celine Bradley! Oh, that was nice. You know what? I'll give that to you. Your recap kind of reminded me that this episode is way towards Winry, you know? That's why we called you. Mm-hmm. Not because... <laughs> because you kind of become our Winry expert. You kind of get on all yeah. the big Winry episodes. Yes, our woman whisperer. Well, I wasn't <laughs> putting it like that, Mike, but thank you. <laughs> I'm the professional girl character correspondent. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Structurally, this episode is way towards Winry, except for that chunk in the middle where they're like, let's just reveal who Pride is, which kind of overtakes the whole episode. You know, it's the title of the episode. It's the interstitial. It's everything. You kind of think, oh, this was the episode where Pride was uncovered. But it's also more the episode when Winry first admits that she loves Edward. Yeah, when you called me in to do this episode, I assumed it was because it was when Winry showed back up because I've been popping up for all the big Winry episodes. <laughs> and I remembered nothing about what was happening at this point of the story because it's sort of, yeah, this weird mushy middle period. 
So I was like, I don't remember exactly what's going on. I know they're up north, some stuff happens, but I had a blast with this episode. There's so much that happens. There's a lot going on for a lot of different characters. And even though it's mostly set up, it feels very uh, consequential. Let's get the big moment out of the way, okay? Roy Mustang buys so many flowers. Yes, that's literally... <laughs> Distracting plot point, honestly. <laughs> if there were any big reveals, just completely went over that my head because I was thinking about our friend Roy and what he's going to do with all those flowers. What's he going to do with them? <laughs> Compost? <laughs> the big moment we're talking about this week, obviously, is the reveal that Salim Bradley is actually Pride. That's the big one. I mean, not a huge reveal for me as I figured it out last night. Yeah, you've been onto it for ages. <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> it's such a big reveal. I actually think it works to the detriment of the episode. You just think it overshadows the rest? <laughs> overshadows. But yes, Ooh. I do. I think oh. it kind of overshadows. It was a great moment. I'm not sure it took away from the other moments. The other moments, we care about those because we care about the characters, not because they had great plot importance. I think the scene works. And I think that the rest of the episode works. And I agree that unless we discover an exciting thematic connection over the course of talking about this, which I would love, it does feel like it could be dropped in as a reveal into any number of the recent episodes or sort of episodes in this area. It feels like a little airlifted in. It could have happened last week. Yeah, it might belong in the future. It doesn't tell us anything that puts us on the edge of our seats in any other part of the story, I guess. The episodes ahead deal with the consequences of Salim being pride. So I think the reveal could just as easily have gone later. I guess in that sense, it was smarter than to put it here. And I guess there was a sort of thematic connection because both stories concern our protagonists being put against the wall with little to no other choices but to agree with the bad guys and to comply with their instructions. You can make a clear connection between the moment when Hawkeye goes, it'd be pretty stupid for you to kill your hostage, and the moment where Winry finds out that she's a hostage and goes, that means I better come up with a good excuse as to why yeah. I would be going with them. Oh, we found a connection, look. Yeah. There you go. Great. No. Thematically flawless. I love it. This is good placement for the reveal. So Those cool. little shadow arms are so creepy. They look like little cat arms, you know, but they're not. <laughs> what a great monster design. <laughs> really cool. It's not unusual to see anime children that are just like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I love my dad. to see creepy anime kids. Even like young Al and Ed when they're babies, you're like, oh my God, it's a saccharine. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> but so like it never occurred to me that this was all like a creepy little act. And then now that I look back, like those scenes that I was like bored by, <laughs> I realized are actually really intense. A clever ruse. It was a clever ruse from the start. It's a good <laughs> twist in the sense that if you go back and watch those scenes, you have new context to it. But at the same time, the fact that those scenes were born without that context is- That's a bad sign, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a right. bad sign. It's like- That's not good. Can we also talk about how the mom completely unprompted, like, yeah. like Tells her. mentally <laughs> jumps like five steps of theme association to be like, I'm so proud of him. It sounds like I'm bragging, but I'm not bragging because he's adopted. He's adopted, he's but demon. he's related to my husband. <laughs> Here's some information. And then later when Pride reveals himself, he's like oh my mom talks so much yes oh yeah. god my mom won't stop talking and reads is like no you're a creep i would have figured it out even if your mom weren't so uh don't blame your mom 
Yeah. <laughs> my mom's such a weird bitch. <laughs> <laughs> He's my pride and joy. I'm so proud of him. Oh, you're so uncool telling everyone I'm a demon. Oh, you. <laughs> Mom, get out of my room or I'll tell my shadow arms to kill you. Oh, I'm so proud of your shadow arms. <laughs> shadow I'm not arms. 10. I'm like 3 million years old. <laughs> I was born before all this and I shall remain far after it is all gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, get back to me when you're 3 million and 1, young man. <laughs> <laughs> Pride. Here he is. Now that he's gone, what will we ask Mike about? We're running out of like big reveals other than how it ends. And like, what is father trying to do? Really? I think I already know. What do you think it is? Like, I think he's trying to recreate the universe in some kind of image of where he's God. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's trying to reform reality in a way that is pleasing to him. Well, find out next week. <laughs> you know, I feel like it's a little <laughs> convoluted, but it's just based off of things he said. Feels like that's what he's trying to do. I don't know. Good guesses. Before we drop out of pride, we do have to reveal something. So Mike moved into the place where he is now like four months ago, right? And when he moved in four months ago, we gave him a housewarming gift, but we gave him instructions to not open it until we told him to open it. Mike, would you please open your housewarming yes. gift? For a short time, this was lost. <laughs> Yes, we were worried briefly about lost in the move. It is a cardboard tube. You can't well, talk while he's unwrapping it. We've got to get clean sound. Yeah, get the sound. It's so good. Some good audio. Oh my gosh. It's gorgeous. It is a print of pride, just fully evil and out. Really very cool. It's beautiful. We'll awesome. post pictures on so Twitter. Oh you God. can check it out there. <laughs> the art comes from an artist I love a lot. His name is Yummy Gus on Twitter. That's Y-U-M-M-Y-G-U-S. So please follow him and commission his work. Really cool. It's so cool. <laughs> oh my God. So today is a very special day. Before we continue our conversation about this week's episode, I like to bring on the classical music. Welcome to First Take Theater, reading actual posts from people who watched the show as it aired. This week on First Take Theater, I want you guys to choose what you want to listen to. Would you like to listen to someone making an insane comparison, someone complaining about pride, or someone complaining about Winry? I feel like all of these are going to make me really mad. <laughs> I want to hear someone complain about pride. I want to hear that. Had to skip the first five minutes of the still crappy, overused, and cliche jokes. The creepy shadows aren't creepy at all and became a complete joke with a terrible new addition to homunculi terrible design terrible dialogue and extremely childish this series so far is purely <laughs> kitty the homunculi are nowhere near as fearsome well designed or well written or even well fitted into the story as the previous set this is purely a shonen group of top tiers like genio force or Shishibukai, whatever that is, I don't know. Ed and Kimberly's dialogue was interesting. However, I wish I could buy the possibility of Ed killing everyone, but it's too pure. <laughs> I heard Mike laughing from the other side of the room. Huh. <laughs> That's so awful. That's sort of like, I'd love to have some genocide, but 
no. Yeah, this is someone who enjoys very different things about the show. And that was First Take Theater, proving that when it comes to hot takes, there's nothing like the first. There's something that that first take theater brought up, which is the conversation between Ed and Kimberly. Yeah. We got some good stuff with Kimberly. It's just interesting how detached he is from the outcome, too. And then having Ed have to work within the system. You're right. I think that is the theme overall, right? Like the theme of this whole thing is everyone is trapped doing exactly what the baddies want them to. But how can they find an advantage in that for themselves? You know what I mean? Because they know that they don't want to execute the baddies plans i have a question about kimberly and his sort of philosophy and what he believes and whether he genuinely believes things he spends the first whole chunk of the episode like laid on thick to try to get winry's sympathy <laughs> but then at points it seems like he also genuinely has some respect for her and her parents based on his like view of war and duty like, he's definitely playing it up, but I'm very curious about whether there's anything genuine behind that. Because then later yeah. he's like, you're a state alchemist. This is what's expected of you. You have to perform your duty. I got the sense that even though it's obviously very manipulative when he's like, they had a photo of their beautiful baby daughter, that that's pretty cloying. But there seems to be a lot of genuine respect for her parents and for her which is just so interesting. Yeah, I put the same thing down, where obviously he's trying to get Winry to trust him, but it seems like there was a little bit more to it than that, that he does genuinely have that respect for her parents. And I think partly this is, we've seen some things in the manga where he actually does espouse a more genuine admiration of Winry's parents. I think it is sort of canonically somewhat genuine. And I think he really respects people who dedicate themselves wholeheartedly to a path. We see that later in the episode when Ed is like, no, I don't kill anyone ever and I don't want to. He's like, well, one or the other, basically, like that's one of those paths is is good. It's like how unoriginal I think he says or something. <laughs> yeah, I forget what he says, but at the same time, he kind of begrudgingly respects that. You can see if that. You can yeah. choose to kill. And if you do, you got to kill wholeheartedly and without remorse. It's like Michelle says, he likes the honesty. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> don't be a Roy is basically what he, what he, he says. He's basically saying don't be a Roy because he's like, his problem with Roy was that Roy was going, I don't want to kill people. And and then actually still doing the work. And the reason why I think he respects Ed is because Ed goes, I don't want to kill people. And he's straight up sticking to his word. Like, who has he killed in the show? Right. Nobody. You have to wonder if he doesn't see through the fact that Ed is not fully intending to do this, you know? You know, it could be his plan to kind of force his hand at a critical moment. He just needs him to go along with it for now. Let's talk a little bit about Winry. You know, Winry's big moments in this episode. The first one being her low-key admission that she loves Edward. That's such a funny moment, the way it's played, too, because it's, well, first of all, Ed is like, maybe Riza was wrong about everything in Ishval because Riza also said, I like Winry, and I don't like Winry. So, uh, she can't be trusted, <laughs> which is just a very funny moment. But yeah, he freaks out. He has to say the periodic table so he doesn't get too horny. Then that's followed almost immediately with Winry admitting out loud in front of him that she loves him. And then he's like, wait, what did you say? And I thought they were going to mirror that moment where she freaks out and is like, what? Uh, here's a list of cut types of metal. Um, right. But she's just so I said, I accepted love tools. at that point. 
yeah, she's not really in denial about it. She kind of gets the vibe that he's not emotionally ready to talk about this. And so she just keeps going. And it speaks to his development as a character that later on he actually straight up tells Winry what's going <laughs> oh, on. Oh, it's so good. It's such a great moment of growth and change for Ed, and it allows a lot from Winry, too. Yeah, I'm happy to see Winry closer to the action. I think that'll be really cool. I laugh really hard at Ed literally bouncing off the ceiling walls like a pinball. That was, that was just a... A very funny piece of animation. Yeah. Or also like in the car. <laughs> yeah, squishing in the car. <laughs> that was Thanks great. And yeah, I think a moment in the car that I really liked was when Winry comes along and Ed sort of had this moment of realization where he plays along with Winry. Yeah, I was going to call that out too. Right. And they sort of fall into their old dynamic of arguing with each other, but they both know that it's an act and that in some way they're beyond that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's really well put and a good articulation of yeah exactly what i was thinking when i saw the scene yeah they know each other so well that they can play act in this way that provides a really good cover right they don't seem like they're on the same page but they are on the same page <laughs> yeah so i just realized this and i would need to rewatch some parts of the show to make sure of this but I think Winry arriving back into Ed's life and upgrading his automail or fixing it always coincides with some big moment of development. It's almost like Ed's outgrowing his automail in a sense, in the emotional sense of the sentence, and that the automail represents the thing tying him down to his old self and that he's outgrowing it and that he's no longer going to need it in the future. Look at how much you've grown literally. This isn't a metaphor for anything else. You've just grown a lot. I think I'm going to start telling people from now on. I'm like, I feel like your character has developed so much. <laughs> like, And now it's time for us to check in with our other anime correspondent, Mitunz Repelli, who's been traversing through the worlds of animation on his way towards casting on Full Metal Analysts. Let's oh, see boy. which show he has watched this week. Thanks, gang. Long time, no time. I seem to have torn through space-time and actually arrived here at uh, Scrubs. Yes, the live-action 2001 comedy Scrubs. It makes you laugh, it makes you cry, it makes you wonder what happened to Zach Braff and Donald Faison. Those kids were some funny, funny folks. Anyway, watch it. It's good stuff from 2001. I don't know where it streams or anything. <laughs> I love how at the end he was like, uh, I don't know where it streams. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad he's using the money for research that we give him. I just don't understand why we have Methusi do all this when I can't even get a per diem. Well, let me tell you something. Mike! You don't get a per diem? It's time for you to walk out of the shadows Wait, and into you? the field for yeah. everyone's favorite segment, Mikey <laughs> at the bat! Wait, do we pay our guests? This is the moment of the podcast where Mike has to guess what happens in next week's episode based only on the title and the thumbnail. Mike, please describe to us the thumbnail for next week's episode, Conflict at Bascool. All right. Well, we have a scar facing down some chimeras. One looks like a dog with spikes and the other one looks like a potato with muscles. <laughs> Maybe a little pig cow, cow pig. He's got spikes. spikes. Definitely spikes. spikes. I don't know what animal they found. Maybe a porcupine. It doesn't really look like that. Conflict at Bascool. Should I know what Bascool is? Burton, no, right? you shouldn't. <laughs> okay, so Bascool must be a place up north because they're up north. There's going to be like people who are here 
who survived the last time something like this happened and they're going to be like we hate people who who want to do this again and he's going to be like i'm trying to stop it and they're going to be like oh but you were... okay cool i don't really think this is going to be a backstory episode conflict of school makes me think it's going to be a fight we haven't had a fight in a while yeah it's time <laughs> for a fight before we move on to our grades i just want to premiere a brand new segment a very quick segment it's called where in the world is Greedling. In this week's edition of Where in the World is Greedling, we check whether or not Greedling show up in this episode. Let me check. He didn't. Tune in next week where maybe we will see Greedling, maybe we won't. Where in the world is Greedling? I was really excited for a moment that he was going to steal, like, the Golden Gate Bridge. Money, power, bridges. Man, women, bridges. <laughs> All seven <laughs> wonders of the world. Now that Mike has given his prediction, it's time for us to grade in the episode on a scale from one to five stars. I'm going to get things started by giving it, I was about to say five, but I'm not sure about it. That usually means four. I'm going to go with four. Yeah, you're right. 4.5. I think it was great. I love like the sort of counter theme to how they're all being hostage and doing things that they don't want to do is trust between the characters. I love the like moment of eye contact between Ed and Al that we didn't really talk about yet. Al's in the cell and Ed is like, we're going to find the Philosopher's Stone and just because they know each other so well. Like, there's a lot of nonverbal communication going on, and I think it's just a great episode. There's a lot of great character stuff. There's the pride reveal, but I think more than that, the characters are, are really firing on all cylinders here. I agree. I also wanted to give it a five, but I also feel like just something missing there, you know? But it's great. Like, I don't have a criticism. It's great. I really enjoyed this episode. I agree. All the characters are doing everything right now, and it's exciting, and it, it should just keep going, and I have no complaints about this amazing four star episode yay the, the criteria for a five for me i'm realizing is that it either needs a fuck yeah moment or a no yeah moment. yeah <laughs> it's gotta have one of those two yeah i'm giving this a 4.5 it is a uh, delightful episode and it's doing a good job with everything it's trying to do. I would say I have sort of the same conditions for a five. I think this is like a really good table setting episode. Some really good character beats. Some wonderful moments of growth. Some nice theme work. What fun. Selling flowers has been in the Armstrong family for generations. I forgot <laughs> about that. Yeah. Yeah, that lady, that old, the little with the little curl, you know, the little Armstrong mama. You're like, oh shit, that's the oh shit moment. That's yeah, the that is yeah an moment. moment. It's a five. It's funny <laughs> that Camille uses the phrase table setting episode to describe this episode because she hasn't seen the previous 10 episodes, yeah. which were even more yeah. table setting. Those were like going to Bed Bath & Beyond and buying stuff for the table setting episode. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. this, uh... like, but there to, was a line. From where we're sitting, Camilla, <laughs> more <laughs> happened this episode than has happened in a long time. And now we've reached the end of this week's episode of Full Metal Analysts. So I'd like to take a moment to thank Camilla Franklin for coming. Thank you so much, Camilla. Oh, thank you for having me. Camilla, would you like to plug something? I am Camillastrator on Instagram. You can see some of my artwork there. I'm the same on Twitter, but I don't post that much on Twitter. And you can listen to trivia that I have written on Ask Me Another on NPR, either on a podcast or on your local affiliate station. And before wow. you go, can you give us your best full metal alchemist, just like the interstitials? Mm-hmm. Oh, some good interstitials this week, by the way, with like little kid and then scary kid. Oh, yeah, yeah that was great. Full Metal Alchemist. And if you don't want to find out that your kid is actually a three million year old monster, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FM Analysts. That's twitter.com slash FM Analysts. 
Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If possible, leave us a review or recommend the show to a friend. We'd like to thank Sarah Lerner for managing our Tumblr. You can check that out at fullmetal-analyst.tumblr.com. But watch out, there are spoilers there. If you like this episode and would like to hear more, why not subscribe to our Patreon? For just $2, you'll receive extended versions of each episode a week early. That's right, you can listen to next week's episode right now by going to patreon.com slash fmanalysts. That'll be all for now. We'll see you next time on Full Metal Analysts. Until then, stay frosty. Bye.